Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Good afternoon, Saskatchewan, wherever you're listening today. Thanks for making us part of your day. I am Ballsy, and today's show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Check out your local Western Pizza location for their specials. We'll get to our first guest, Spencer Moore, the free agent fullback, former rider in Alouette, in a minute. And we also want to remind you our text line is powered by the number one GM dealership in Saskatchewan. That would be Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, 936-6262. The number to text. Our Tournament of Awesome rolls on today. And here's the first bracket. It's boats versus barbecue. Two great things. Two awesome things. Barbecue or boats? What's going on in the next round? 936-6262. The number to text. It is time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with Former CFLer Spencer Moore. I say he's former CFLer because he doesn't have a team right now. All right, Spencer, before we get to the pick six, I want you to help me break down six stories. I got to ask you, we got a tournament of awesome rolling on here. If you had to pick boats or barbecue to go to the next round, what are you taking? Boats or barbecue? Only one can go to the next round. I'm going to go with barbecue on this one. Okay, and what's your favorite thing to barbecue? Yeah, probably just hamburgers. I love a good hamburger on the barbecue. <laughs> you, can't, you can't mess up a, a, a hamburger, can you, Spence? No, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Kansas beat North Carolina yesterday. What's one sporting event you'd like to attend that you haven't yet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? Actually, I would love to go to uh, a European soccer match somewhere over there in Europe and uh, get a chance to see the, the hooligans going crazy in the stands and, and take it all in. Yeah, that's awesome. Best Best sporting event you've attended that you haven't played in? Uh, I got to go to the March Madness a couple of years ago, so that was pretty neat. Uh, I got to see Duke when they uh, were upset by uh, like a pretty high seed, so it was uh, a good experience down there for sure. Yeah. Okay, number two in the pick six. Football Canada's unveiled plans for the first ever National Women's Football Weekend. It's going to take place May 5th to 8th in Ottawa. It'll include a university female flag football championship. Uh, I really believe those are there are a couple of ways we can grow the game. Women, new Canadians, uh, Indigenous people. Do you get involved in clinic, Spencer? Have you done that in the past? Uh, yeah, when I was in Saskatchewan, I was pretty involved, uh, especially with the Don Narcisse All-Star event. So uh, it's something that I really enjoy doing. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, out here in Ontario, I can get some things sorted out to, and get back involved again because it's something that uh, I find that I'm pretty passionate for. So, yeah. Is your wife a big football fan? Um, she is now. Uh, I wouldn't say that she was before she was uh, with me. And, and when I'm done playing, I don't know how big of a fan she'll be, but uh, she always says she's my number one fan, so that's all that matters. That's all that matters, right? Spencer Moore joining us to help break down the pick six. Okay, we've been talking a lot about rules in the CFL behind the scenes. Four downs versus three downs. I'm going to assume as a Canadian you're happy they're keeping it three downs. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's sort of uh, closely tied to the identity of the Canadian Football League, so 
Uh, I think keeping it three downs is a smart move. Now, uh, you know, for me in my position, do I think a four down move could, could potentially help, you know, fullbacks and tight ends? I do, but uh, that's not what it's about. It's about uh, keeping the game the way it is. And, and, you know, our fans love our game just for what it is. So uh, keep it three downs. Good, good by me. I talked to Eddie Steele and he suggested this. How about we, uh, we keep the yard off the ball all the way down to the goal line. And when it's down at the goal line at the one yard line, everybody should be able to go helmet to helmet. How do you feel about a rule change like that? Yeah, I think that that's something that could definitely be looked at. I think that when the offense gets down there into the goal line and having to do that yard off, it's a, it's a huge advantage. Um, so, I mean, me being an offensive guy, I don't necessarily mind it, but uh, maybe just a couple more goal line stands will, will get the people going. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. And so what about a five-yard holding penalty instead of a 10-yard holding penalty, Spence? Oh, okay, that's interesting. I haven't really considered that one. Um I guess it's just kind of hard because holding is pretty subjective, right? So, um, you know, it's for it to be a 10-yard penalty, sometimes it's, uh, it hurts more than others. But uh, I guess it depends on the, the direction the game's trying to go. If they're trying to make things a little bit more exciting and, and a little bit more fast-paced, maybe a five-yard one will uh, give the offenses a chance to continue moving and not instead of punt right away. And you're a special teams dude. I, I, I have called on a lot of amateur football at Liable Field. And when it's between 20 and 30 yards and the kids line up for a field goal, it's a normal three-point affair. But if you get outside of 30, they give the kids four points for a made field goal. How about in the CFL outside of 50 yards, we give them four points for kicking a field goal? No, nah, I don't think so. Uh, that's that's their job, and that's what they're paid to do, to kick those field goals for us. So uh, I don't think we need to necessarily reward them. Uh, because that's everyone has their job to do, and that's their job. You shot that down in a hurry, Spencer Moore. Uh, <laughs> Edmonton Elks receiver Shea Ross was at it again on Monday. He performed another jaw-dropping athletic stunt. He's standing in the gym. He's got a barbell. He lifts it up and then does a backflip while holding the barbell. I don't know if you saw this or not. What's one athletic feat that you've personally done that would be jaw-dropping? <laughs> Um, I did actually see that, and that was that was something. I know last year he uh, dunked the Oreo in the milk, and that was pretty cool too. Um, you know, I, I leave my athletic feats for on the field. I'm not uh, necessarily <laughs> trying to be a hero outside of that. So I don't know. You could put my game film on and see a couple cool things. I'm sure. That's awesome, man. Hey, uh, sometimes they say if you've got two quarterbacks, you have too many. How do you think Harris and VA work in the same room this year? I think that when uh, Trevor came in, he uh, was, did a good job of accepting the role that he had. Uh, I think that moving forward, he's definitely going to be someone that VA can lean on, uh, you know, to, for the, the little, little things, the little things that will help VA go to the next level. Uh, it's still VA's team, so um, I'm excited to get a chance to see them play. And, and, you know, a little bit of competition doesn't hurt anybody. I know VA thrives for that, and so does Trevor. So it should be fun to watch. Number six in the pick six with Spencer Moore of the Alouettes. Who's must-see TV for you in the CFL? It's got to be Geno Lewis. I mean, every uh. time the ball is in the air, he has a chance to go up and get it. It's, it's a high, highlight real play. So I uh, love watching that guy compete and, and seeing him do some pretty cool things on the field and then uh, raising the roof after it. So it's always fun. You know what? I agree with you. I actually had that jotted down, Spencer. Eugene Lewis, he, he is kind of underrated i feel but he's he he's not underrated if that makes sense i think he's underrated by people that don't necessarily know that much and people that know are in the know they know exactly what he's capable of so i'm not sure how he feels about that but everybody that knows they know what do you think about uh, your chances of playing again i know you are a free agent is your future up in the air do you think you still have gas left in the tank 
Yeah, I think that uh, from a physical and mental perspective, I definitely still have some gas left in the tank. Now, uh, I'm, you know, pursuing my dreams outside of football. I'm in the hiring process for the Hamilton Fire Department. So uh, I'm hoping to see that all the way through and have the opportunity there. And uh, if for whatever reason it doesn't happen this year, then I'll, I'll look at potentially coming back to play. But um, having a chance to go back last year, halfway through the year, it kind of gave me a little bit of closure that I needed. And uh, if I'm done playing, then you know what? I had a good nine years and uh, I feel comfortable with being done. And if I get a chance to go back and play, then we'll see what happens. You know, that's, that's something uh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you that. Are you happy with how your career ended? If indeed that is the end for you? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, after, of course, the pandemic canceled 2020, I, I was, I was left feeling, you know, not necessarily satisfied. I know that I was still able to play and that I wanted to play. So when the Owls gave me the opportunity to come back, it was something that I appreciated. And again, if, if I am done, then I'm satisfied with what I was able to do and what I was able to accomplish both on the field and in the community. So, um, a little bit of uh, peace of mind goes a long way, and I think I have that right now. Well, and you're a new dad, so it, that, that'll keep you busy. But as you're transitioning to, to work out and try to make the Hamilton Fire Department, I guess that kind of works in case somebody calls you partway through the year or something like that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, just the opportunity to be in the Hamilton Fire Department is what I'm focusing on right now. And, uh, you know, my phone will be on for some calls. But, uh, again, like I said, if I get the opportunity to join the Hamilton Fire Department, then I'll gladly retire from football and, and look at my life after football. What's one thing you'll never be able to replicate leaving the game, though? What's one thing that you're always going to crave? Yeah, probably just the ability to you know hit people on the field and not get in trouble for it. That's <laughs> something that uh, I think most guys would agree with. Uh, you know, being able to have that aggressiveness come out on the field and be rewarded for it, something that you can't really get outside of the game. So that's something that I'll definitely always miss, but I uh, just got to find other ways to uh, meet those competitive needs. Hey, we got the Masters coming up this weekend. Last question for you, Spencer Moore. Um, I, uh, I, I, I can't get into golf. I try, but I can't. What's one thing a lot of people love that Spencer Moore just can't get into or doesn't like? Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, the numbers may not support it, but I, there's still a pretty big following of baseball, and um, I can't really get into watching baseball. Now, I'll play softball, but I'm not really a fan of watching baseball. Unless I'm in the stands at a Jays game having a beer, that's something else. But um, watching on TV, I can't necessarily get behind. Are the Jays going to win the World Series this year? Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> that's a standard answer. Hey, congratulations on a great career. If we get to see you again there, that'd be awesome. And if not, you'll be in the community of Hamilton serving, and we're looking forward to uh, what the next chapter holds for Spencer Moore. Thanks, buddy. Great. Thanks a lot. It's the week of the Masters. Nap time is almost here. Later this week on CBS. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening to the show today, thanks for making us part of your day. Ballsy in the big chair. Olivia joins me on the other side of the glass, doing a great job producing. She's in for Zinger. Sean's dealing with some, uh, well, he's dealing with some health issues. And uh, my thoughts and prayers out for you, good buddy. Good luck in uh, getting back in the producer chair as soon as possible. This show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups in this province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline and 
Our text line is brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership, 936-6262. The number to text we're asking you in our tournament of awesome barbecues or boats. Time to get to our Sports Cage Clutch Performance of the Night. And for that yesterday, let's go to Austin Matthews. A lot tried to give it back. Nice work by Marner to get it to Bunting. And now Matthews in. Austin Matthews scores. 52. Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow made their mark. All have moved on. Marner front scores. Austin Matthews again. Bunting. Causes a turnover, and now it's Matthews on it for Marner. On the backhand across, Matthews scores! That hat trick by Austin Matthews tied the single-season record for goals with 54 set by Rick Vive back in the 80s. Rick Vive, till yesterday, all alone is the leading scorer in terms of goals in one season in Leafs history. What? That is crazy! The Leafs beat Tampa 6-2. Matthews, who also had an assist, extended his goal streak to six games. He completed his seventh career hat trick and fourth of the season, and he has scored 47 goals in his last 47 games. Lots of debate online in the hockey world about who the MVP is. Personally, I'd take Connor McDavid over Matthews. But after last night, you gotta think it is Austin's Hart Trophy to lose. I wonder how much time pro athletes like Matthews spend on Twitter. Probably not much at all, right? But part of me also wonders if given the continued debate online about whether he should win the Hart Trophy or not, he decides to go out and say, screw you guys, I'm going to have a hat trick and one assist just to remind you on Twitter who the real MVP is. Anaheim Ducks captain Ryan Getzlaff will retire at the end of the regular season, ending his 17-year NHL career spent entirely with that club. Getzlaff's been one of the top playmaking centers in hockey for most of his career, scoring 1,013 points in 1,150 games since his NHL debut back in October 2005 with the then Mighty Ducks. A passer with remarkable vision on the ice, he became Anaheim's career franchise scoring leader last October 31st and became the 92nd player in league history to score 1,000 points on November 16th. He also leads the Ducks in career games played and assists with 731. He's been Anaheim's captain for the past 12 years. He's, of course, a Stanley Cup winner in 2007, a two-time Olympic gold medalist for Team Canada, a three-time All-Star at the NHL level, and the runner-up for the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP in 2014. Now, Getzlaff will join Vancouver's Daniel and Henrik Sedin as the only players to have a one-team career of at least 17 seasons long entirely in the 21st century. L.A.'s Dustin Brown, Boston's Patrice Bergeron, Pittsburgh's Sidney Crosby, and Washington's Ovi also qualify, but they're still active. Ryan Getzlaff, the greatest athlete to come out of Regina? We'll talk to the leader post Rob Banstone about that before 5 o'clock. Trevor Zegers of the Ducks pulled off his second lacrosse-style goal of a thrill-filled rookie season, and he actually increased the difficulty of it last Friday by wrapping the shot around his teammate Sonny Milano and into the net. Now, that should have been the moment to talk about in Arizona, but 
Later in the game, Troy Terry took umbrage with a cross-check that Coyotes' tough guy slash meathead Jay Beagle gave Zegris as Anaheim was ending an 11-game losing skid. And so Terry confronted Beagle, and Beagle pummeled him. The picture of a bruised and stitched-up Terry, who has 31 goals and 57 points in a breakout season, peering through a half-closed left eye, circulated around social media, and it's made for conversation fodder. A skilled young scorer who's been the best player on a team was beaten up by a plugger who had about 3 inches and 25 pounds on him. Real tough guy, that beagle. I'll tell you what, it's time to get rid of fighting. But Ballsy, what about the respect amongst teammates? People will be running around with their sticks in the air. You gotta have fighting. <laughs> Listen, there are penalties and suspensions to keep players in line. It's time the NHL used those to the maximum. And use them right now through the end of the season. The rule book always goes out the window in the playoffs or down the stretch into the playoffs. It's a bunch of crap. A Tiger Woods says he's going to play in the Masters 14 months after that horrible SUV crash where his leg was basically a corkscrew. Now, he was asked a brilliant question by the pool of reporters. If he thinks he's going to win the Masters, what do you think he said? What do you think Tiger Woods would say to a question like that? Uh, not sure. Uh, no, probably not. I'm just showing up. Thought I'd walk the course a couple of days. Got nothing better to do. What do you want him to say? Of course he said yes. What a stupid question. Pats are in Brandon tonight. Six back of the playoffs with six to play. They are officially out of runway. It is uh, Custard's last stand. They're backed into a corner. Let's see if they can fight out of that corner as this is a shortened sports cage show so we can get to Dante DiCaria in Brandon for the pregame show at 535. So keep that in mind. Estevan plays Yorkton in game three of their second round SJHL series. It's in Yorkton, like I said, and the Terriers trail the Bruins by a count of two games to none. Jason Tatarnik is the coach and GM of the Bruins. He joined us yesterday, and you can check out that interview on our podcast if you kind of want to tee up tonight's action. And Major League Baseball umpires will now wear microphones to announce their calls, you know, like NFL or CFL refs would do, minus the part where the crowd's actually awake to hear them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, we're going to come back and have an interview with Arash Madani in Dunedin, Florida. He's getting ready for opening day Friday against the Texas Rangers. We'll tee that up with the guy who travels from coast to coast. It's the Madani Report for Smart Investing Solutions. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, time now for the Madani Report, brought to you by your friend Brian Gawley at Smart Investing Solutions. And Arash, you're in Dunedin, Florida, where just a couple of hours ago, spring training has wrapped up. What's the vibe like from the uh, Blue Jays? Well, Bonzi, i got to tell you, man, I've been around this team for a lot of years and been around baseball for a lot of years. And I can't remember, outside of 2016, the year after the Jays won the division, and made that run. I can't remember the last time there's been so much postseason talk in spring about it. 
And and I don't just mean around the Blue Jays. I mean all around baseball. It's not that conversations begin and end with Toronto in October, but every single one includes last year's 91-win team getting to the next step and taking that you know big leap, not a step forward, a leap forward with what they've got here. And that, that really was the underlying kind of narrative through all of camp, through the entire bit of spring training. And now that, you know, the team's literally about to fly north any minute now, they're about to take off any minute now, that's going to be following them for the next 162 games. It's exciting, that's for sure. Now, you had a chance to go one-on-one with Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Uh, what stood out uh, from him uh, coming off an MVP-type season? Well, continuing what I just said, Vlad told me that every day they talk about the playoffs. Like, we're talking about a guy who led baseball in home runs last year and just jumped onto the national map with what he did at the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and was a finalist for MVP. And I asked him today, what's a good season for you? And without, you know, not laughing, not joking, he just said playoffs. So that's that's what they're talking about. Now, a few interesting things with Guerrero, because if you're around him, he just oozes that superstar mentality, Ballsy. Mm-hmm. You've been around guys who've, you know, they're just different than everybody else. Right. But he said, yeah, I looked up to my dad, of course, you know, the Hall of Fame slugger for the Expos and the Angels. But he said he also looked up to Kobe. And kind of that mentality, the, the Mamba mentality, that it's about winning and it's about, you know, being a leader and it's about doing all the things. And Guerrero just continues each spring, each year, to take more strides forward in his career, and I was talking to George Springer the other day, Balsing, he's like, you forget sometimes just how young Bo and Vlad are because of how accomplished they are, but they're still continuing to grow. Like, they're not even near what their peak could be yet. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, does he know how good he is? Like, is he, is, he, is, he, is he mature enough to know how good he is, I guess is how I'm trying to phrase this. I think he does, but he's not somebody who's going to beat the chest and say, me, me, me. And that's one thing that's really interesting about about Vlad is that for him it's about winning. Like he knows he's going to get his. He knows he's going to get his pitches. He, he, it's important to him to really become a really successful ball player. And, it's been, and, you, and you saw it last season when he made the transition over to first base. He really wanted to be great at it. He knows what's going on. He grew up around a big league clubhouse. He knows he knows the nature of the game. But what's really interesting, at a time, Ballsy, where it feels like so many athletes are me, 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 look at me, everything Vlad says, and for the most part does, is about us. And I think that's something that's really interesting. Yeah, it is true. Uh, Arash Madani joining us here for his Madani Report. He does it twice a week here on the Sports Cage, brought to you by Brian Golly over there at Smart Investing Solutions. Somebody under the radar that uh, the average fan like me uh, wouldn't really uh, notice or be paying attention to right now. Well, there's so much talk about Bichette and Guerrero, and now with the starting rotation, the addition of Gosman, Ryu's already there, Barrios is the opening day starter. <sighs> Uh, it's wild, Ballsy, but over the last two years, the most productive combined offensive player the Blue Jays have had is Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah. 
very quietly back-to-back Silver Slugger Award winners. He's somebody who has traded, you know, came over from Houston in a trade from the Astros, was just a young kid, you know, a bench player. And he has evolved and morphed into one of the most important offensive threats this team has. And Teoscar at this stage of things is just so comfortable in his own skin. And I was talking to him this week, and I thought this was a really interesting dynamic. Um, you know, when he came, he was a young guy, he was single, etc. He's now married with two kids, a third on the way. And he said, what's helped me so much is that because I have so many responsibilities at home, when I leave the field, when I leave the stadium, I don't think about baseball. I want to be present with my family. I want to be present with my kids. I want to be a good dad and a good husband at home. And by having that separation and not making it all-consuming with the sport, I actually turn out to be a better ball player because mentally I'm fresh. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective from a dude who's gone through his struggles, who's gone down to AAA, and has really come out the other side and had success. It's what he's doing away from the field that has just really helped him on it and it's it's not often you hear that from an athlete well that's kind of neat too though you got a wife and now i guess going to be three kids it's kind of a nice escape to get to the ballpark and play a kid's game and get paid good money for it too yeah really good money and he's he's getting 10 million this year it's his last year oh, last arbitration year next i don't get too ahead of ourselves but i don't see him being a blue jay past 2023 yeah and i've been led to believe there haven't been any contract conversations yet and i don't think there will be for a corner outfielder but especially for this year a productive tay oscar hernandez is going to be vital for the jays so uh, i understand there was a feel-good story in camp this year yesterday uh this this so okay let's let me set the stage for you the blue jays are playing the tigers in lakeland florida yeah okay after the game, five, ten minutes after the game, Charlie Montoyo goes up to a player who wears number 75. Like, when you wear number 75, it's almost like a quarterback wearing 75. You're not going to make the team. Right. Charlie Montoyo goes up to Gosquet Coteau, extends his hand, and says, congratulations. And Coteau kind of looks at him and, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? Congratulations for what? And Montoyo looks at him and says, Congratulations, you made the team. Now, Gosuke Katobalzi was drafted in the second round in 2013 wow. by the Yankees. Wow. For nearly a decade, he's bounced around. One minor league stop to the next. One organization to another. Waiver wire and just a, just a regular on that kind of transactions bulletin going here, there, and everywhere. And the moment he always dreamed of but never imagined would happen did yesterday and we had a chance to talk with him and he was just floating i mean he didn't know what to say he asked us to repeat questions because you know his mind was somewhere else he thanked his t-ball coaches ballsy like that's how much it meant to him and so 10 years after starting his pro career after doubting whether or not he'd be able to continue it in charleston in 2015 here he is breaking camp uh a big leaguer, a major leaguer. You know, uh, the years, the stories, sometimes the scores flow into each other. But for a guy like you that does this uh, quite a bit and, and for many years, I bet you it's a story like that that uh, puts a smile on your face and is like, yeah, this is why I do this job. No question. And it's just so 
genuine and just how floored he was and just how appreciative he was. It, it was neat. It was really neat for somebody who, you know, it's a dog eat dog industry and it's it's a cutthroat industry, but for that, you know, hmm. for a day, um, the payoff was there for for Coteau. I'm looking forward to a universal DH. How about you? I am. I am. I'm going to miss part of the kind of movement in the National League. Not none of the pitchers hitting, but when they pinch it for them and all the defensive realignments, I like that part of the NL. But we all like offense. We all like to see, you know, big moments. And that's what the Universal DH is going to do. And instead of just bringing on a vet who can give you one at-bat late in the game, you're going to get real hitters who can give you three, four at-bats. So I think it's going to be better overall for baseball. I want to throw in a couple of basketball things before I get to uh, the CFL last question. Um, you sports basketball finals, were you shocked by any of the outcomes? The U.S. men's basketball team had a nice showing. They did. Um, I think what's amazing about the Carlton story is that it's not just Dave Smart anymore as their coach. I mean, they win their 16th national championship. Yeah. But what's amazing, Ballsy, um, 2018, we were in Regina, Mm -hmm. and the Carlton Ravens women's team completed an undefeated season to win the Bronze Baby Women's Basketball National Championship. And the head coach was Taffy Charles. And now you fast forward four years later, he wins the second national championship as a men's head coach, one of the more underrated coaches in in the entire country. Uh, getting it done on the men's and women's basketball side. Yeah, that is a great story. What about the ladies' side? Were you, uh, were you, uh, you know, is that kind of how you thought it would go? I was surprised that Winnipeg got blown out of the gym, to be quite honest. You know, the Rams have been an incredible story. They went undefeated in the preseason, undefeated in the regular season. In the Ontario final, they were down 22 points to Brock, came back and won in OT to get the number one seed going into nationals. But Carly Clark's team was just stomping through people. And there was a thought that Winnipeg was going to give them a fight. Didn't happen. So they were the best team in the country the whole season, and they ended up getting to cut down the nets, which which is well-earned and well-deserved. I asked Luke Molitor this yesterday. I'll ask you because you've been closer to the team, obviously. Kyle Lowry returned recently to Toronto. Who is the greater Raptor, Kyle Lowry or Vince Carter? I believe it's Vince Carter because if not for Vince Carter, I'm not sure the NBA is in Canada at all. And people would scoff and say, how could you even say such a thing? Look how popular the Raptors are. They won a championship. Let's remember the Raptors were born right around the time the Vancouver Grizzlies came to the NBA. And it was one disaster after another, and the Grizzlies ended up in Memphis. Vince kept the Raptors on the map. Vince brought not a stardom ballsy, but a superstardom, a mega stardom to them. So the most important Raptor ever is Vince. Uh, and you can you can quantify and qualify it however you want. To me, the greatest Raptor ever is Kawhi Leonard. Because without Kawhi Leonard, there's no championship banner mm-hmm. hanging. There's no parade in downtown Toronto. Um I actually think, though, that Kyle Lowry might as he's him and DeMar have turned out to be the two most beloved. Yeah. Funny how it goes. You know, you uh, you were very instrumental back in the day in the CFL. You still uh, have a love for that league. What are you hearing in the CFL circles as we're getting uh, very close to training camp? 
Well, I saw that Randy Ambrosi came out and said the four down story took on a life of its own um, and, try, and has continued to try and downplay it over the last week or so. Ballsy, this is what I've been led to believe, that last month, look, the four down conversation had been going on for weeks, and there wasn't a peep from the commissioner. Right. Not until the CFL Combine was wrapping up, after all their meetings, after all the GMs got together, after all the governors were, to, were having their discussions. And that's finally when you heard from the commissioner. Why did it take so long? I've been led to believe that last month there was a vote among all the different rule changes and, you know, things to quote-unquote improve the game, that there was, a, there was a vote on four downs and it was 7-2 seven to seven to two, uh, against and that Calgary and Toronto had expressed some interest in four-down football. Wow. It wasn't until all that went... It wasn't until the vote all came through that we finally heard from the commissioner, and now he's saying it was all bogus from the beginning, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know about you, Ballsy, but if something is very bogus about my league, something to that extent, am I really going to let that marinate and take up oxygen and grow for days and weeks at a time? Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, but let me ask you, you bring that up. If that indeed is the case and Calgary voted no or voted in favor of, of four downs, the organization, does that shock you? Well, it's John Huffnagel who's the one who's been making suggestions on hash marks and the rest. Look, I don't know if it was definitively about four downs, yes or no, or let's continue to yeah. push the envelope and discuss this further. I, I think that's important to clarify in all this. It wasn't let's play four downs next season. It was never going to be four downs in 2022, but it was are we going to explore this for the next little while? Mm. Yeah, interesting. That's uh, uh, that's the scuttlebutt we have you on for, man, because you have your uh, fingers on the pulse of a bunch of different sports. Thanks for this, Arash. Have a safe trip home. Can't wait to talk to you on Friday, opening day. Always good, Ballsy. Thanks, pal. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Ballsy in the big chair, wherever you're listening today, thanks for making us part of your day on this nice Tuesday in Canada's Queen City. Time now for our sports ticker, which is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Regina's Chris Getzlaff, or check that, Regina's Chris Getzlaff's brother Ryan Getzlaff. See how I worked my way out of that mistake? Uh, the Anaheim Ducks is going to retire at the end of of this season we're going to talk to rob vanstone of the leader post about that coming up here and is he the greatest athlete to come out of regina he's got to be right up there uh two-time olympic gold medalist with team canada won a stanley cup in 2007 uh you know this dude played all of his career in the uh anaheim area with the ducks mighty ducks then the ducks 17 years what a great hockey player elsewhere in the world of hockey ottawa's at montreal toronto's at florida edmonton visits san jose estevan is in yorkton for game three of their second round sjhl series the bruins up two games to none pats are in brandon tonight in fact this afternoon our pregame show kicks off at 5 35 that's why this show for saskatchewan lotteries is shortened because we'll go to brandon as the pats are six games 
left on the schedule, six points out, so they're running out of runway, and we'll talk to Rob Banstone about that too. Tiger Wood says he's going to play at the Masters, so it's good news for golf fans. They asked him if he's going to win. <laughs> what do you think he's going to say? I don't know. Uh, I might see if the beer card comes around. Like, of course he says he's going to win. What a dumb question. Uh, and the Riders have signed some veteran help in the backfield. Running back Shaq Cooper, who was with the BC Lions and Winnipeg Blue Bombers last year. He had uh, 33 carries for a buck 42 and a touchdown with the Leos. Um, and also had 11 catches for 69 yards. In Winnipeg, Cooper made eight punt returns for 19 yards, five kickoff returns for 108 yards. Of course, he was also an Edmonton Elk, and he was with the uh, Toronto... Uh, no, just the Edmonton Elks, pardon me. Uh, then the Eskimos. All right, let us head out on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline and talk with Rob Banstone of the Leader Post. Rob, how are you today, my friend? Not too bad, Ballsy. How are you? Last time I did a segment, I was right across the street from Western Pizza, and once again, I'm right across the street from Western Pizza at the Good Earth Coffee House, Golden Mile location. Every time I talk to you, you're there staring at the Western Pizza. Walk <laughs> across the damn street and order some Western Pizza. <laughs> I, I've had enough pizza in my life for about 16 lifetimes. But so, uh, of course, of course, if, of course, if you're going to have pizza, you got to have Western pizza. You got to have Western pizza. Go check it out. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western pizza. Ask your local Western pizza location about their specials. Uh, on our tournament of awesome uh, barbecue, beat out boat. So barbecue off to the next round. We are now pitting um, music against puppies. Rob Vanstone, if you had to choose music oh. or puppies, what's going on in the next round? Oh, I mean, I am one of the all-time music buffs ever. I love jazz. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Peterson is my idol. And I have my wonderful puppy, Candy. Um, oh, my goodness. I guess I got to go with puppies because, um, I mean, I just posted on Instagram about her like two two hours ago. I know. I saw that. sprout off my fork. So, I, I saw that. Uh, I, I don't want to get disowned by candy, so I got to go with puppies. Okay, but that's really tough. Hard. See, just like March Madness, it's tough. Hey, what's one sporting event you've never seen that you'd like to go to? Would it be a March Madness, or have you been to a March Madness? I haven't. I would like to. I'd like to see a Super Bowl just to see what that is like. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't really envision that I'll ever get there, but that is that is the one I think above all else that. Uh, that I would really like to go to. There's certain venues that I'd like to go to. Like, I'd love to go to, to Wrigley Field. I'd love to go to Fenway Park. I'd love to see more of those storied uh, uh, edifices, if, uh, if possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to Candy. I'll probably never travel again because I'd miss her too much. But I think, I, I think I've got more things on my sporting bucket list that have to do with going to a certain place. I'd love to see a ga- an NCAA football game in the big house or yep. be one of 100,000 people at a college football game, I think that would be really cool. Just maybe a bowl game. Imagine, I, 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 I tell my son this, and I don't want to make it about me, but I told my son this, because he's probably going to be in the starting rotation for UND this year. And I told him, think about this, your first game, Labor Day weekend, you're going to be playing in front of 85,000 people against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Isn't, oh that, a, isn't that crazy? He might be peeing his pants. That is just... That is... 
impossible to comprehend. I hope you're going to be there. Uh, I'm going to try my best. That's all I can say. I'm going to try my best. Yes, it's unbelievable. And he gets to do that two times in his career. And they've had sellouts since the 60s. And this won't be one of those fake sellouts, Rob Banstone. This is going to be like a real sellout because it's the first game of the season for both teams. Wow. Like I, I've been to one NCAA game. Uh, it was uh, University of uh, Montana Grizzlies mm-hmm. against uh, Eastern Washington in, in November of, of 2015. And just to see a game, you know, 20,000 some people in Missoula was amazing. I actually saw Cooper Cup play for uh, Eastern Washington, and it was unbelievable. And uh, the atmosphere at that game was tremendous. Now multiply that by five crowd wise and hype wise. I think that's an exponential multiplication. And I just, I'd love to see an NCAA college game, or like I say, March Madness, something that's just in that upper echelon of uh, sporting events uh, in terms of their their magnitude. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Getzlaff retires today. Uh, well, he's going to retire at the end of the season. 17 years, all with the Ducks. Two. Uh, Olympic gold medals, and of course the Stanley Cup of 2007 when he was a young guy, and he actually led them in scoring in the playoffs that year. Your thoughts on Ryan Getzlaff? I was trying to rack my brain. Is he the best? First of all, is he the best hockey player to come out of Regina? You know, I, I don't know how you can make a case against that. Uh, he's over, I think he's got 1,013 points. The next next closest is in the 700s. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got such a He's winning that, like, Secretariat one in 1973. <laughs> just, is he the best uh, athlete to come out of Regina? You know, that, that is a really good question. I, you know, I, I, think Getz, I think he has got the best hockey player to come out of Regina because I just don't think there's anybody else in that stratosphere. And uh, With all due respect to others, I mean, Bob Turner won five straight Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens right. in 56 to 60. Um, but best athlete, I think John Ryan's in the conversation. We just talked about a Super Bowl. John Ryan from Regina, Saskatchewan, won a Super Bowl, uh, played professional football beginning in 2014 till till last season. So he's got that longevity. He's got that pinnacle in terms of the Super Bowl, just like uh, Ryan, Ryan Getzlaff has got mm-hmm. a family cup and uh, two, two Olympic championships. So I think there's a conversation there. The best athlete, I think, ever to live in Regina for any period of time is Steve Nash. He lived here in 1976 in the mid 70s for about nine months when he was a baby so steve nash yeah if, if anybody who's ever had a regina postal code he's probably the best one that's a neat little nugget there i did not know that so is steve nash is he the where is he ranked for you as the best canadian athlete of all time oh my goodness i hadn't even pondered that one can you get much better than steve nash uh, Wayne, honestly, w- Wayne Gretzky, you know, um, in terms of you know two, N- two NBA MVP, I mean, Wayne Gretzky is the best at everything. Right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's there's just an entirely different discussion when you're talking about Wayne Gretzky. I don't think there's there's anybody who can even ri- rival him when you look at. I mean, his assists would have won the scoring title so many years. I talked about the Secretariat theory mm. with regard to the margin between Ryan Getzlaff and the next closest. Regina-born scorer in NHL history. Well, that's what Wayne Gretzky did every year. That, that's the I thing, just, Rob. I don't understand how anybody can... Like, I compare guys to eras, okay? Like, I don't yeah. want to compare Gretzky to Crosby or McDavid or whatever. You can't do that. Guys to eras, nobody dominated their era like Wayne Gretzky did, in my opinion. And like you said, if he never scored a goal, he's the all-time leading scorer in hockey history. He is the greatest. You know, but you know, you know, it depends how you categorize too. If you're bringing it back to Regina, how do you classify a Regina? I mean, Ryan Getzlaff was born in Regina. 
uh, John Ryan was born in Regina. Those are easy. Yeah. You know, Ted, Ernest, Ted Ernest was an amazing player for the Rough Riders from 61 to 70. He's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. He, was, he grew up in Regina. But, you know, Sandra Schmirler, for example, from Bigger, but spent most of her life in Regina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good point. There, there's certain, Ernie Richardson from, from Stout is, is another one. Yeah. So you start expanding the discussion there to how do you consider someone, in what context do you consider someone a Regina athlete? I think you've got to talk about Sandra Schmerler. You've got to talk about about Ernie Richardson. Um, and then we've had we've had so many Olympians who have fared yeah, well. Yeah, that's a good point. Well. I mean, yeah, good point. Hey, uh, but here's the better question before I let you go: Who had better hands, Chris or Ryan Getzlaff? <laughs> You know what? Ryan Getzlaff is one of the few players, hockey players, that I, I just want to see them pass. I just love the the the, the way that Ryan Getzlaff passes the puck. I I don't think there's there's been many who have done that as as smartly and creatively and as reliably. So you know, Chris was known every now and then to have a, a little bobble here and there. Um, he also ran, I think, the best post corner pattern I've ever seen. So. Um, you know, he, but in terms of just pure hand skills, Ryan Getzlaff's hands, within the context of what he did, were just so consistently amazing, and they still are. I mean, he's he's almost thirty-seven years old, and he still makes just lovely passes. Yeah, he certainly does. Absolutely. By the way, he was asked that. He said his brother Chris has better hands than him. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with your analogy there. And uh, quickly, 20 seconds or less, Pats, Brandon, they're basically out of runway. they got to run the table now, it feels like. Yeah, and even if they do, uh, will that be enough? Yeah. They've just dug themselves in such a cavernous hole. That loss in Prince Albert on Saturday, losing 6-1. Not only the loss, but the margin by which they lost. I think exhausted any even the faintest hope. Friday night they lose seven nothing to Winnipeg. Well, a lot of teams are going to lose seven nothing to Winnipeg, but then following up with a six one loss in, in Prince Albert, it's it's unfortunate. But I think whatever happens from here on in, it's not going to get them in the playoffs. I'm just interested to see if Bedard, Connor Bedard, can win the goal scoring title, get fifty goals. It's Bedard watch for the final six games. And it starts tonight right here on six twenty CKRM as our pregame show starts just after five thirty. Thanks, Rob. Have a good rest of the evening. Yeah, you too, Ballsy. And you're also in the conversation for best Regina Moran athlete. I'll go to get those Rams exploits. I'm the best athlete in this control room right now. That's about all we could say. Thanks for this, man. Not in your family, though. Not, no, not in my family. Nope, not at all. Anyways, thanks, man. Take care. That's Rob Banstone from the Regina Leader Post. When we come back on the other side of the 5 o'clock news, it's Glenn Souter. And then we'll talk with Football Canada's Shannon Donovan before we head to Brandon with the Pats. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 626. CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And our show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. I'm Ballsy in the Big Chair, wherever you're listening today. Thanks for making us part of your day. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And you can always text us on our text line, 936-6262, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. And in our Tournament of Awesome, our next category, puppies or music. And we head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with Glenn Suter. Suits, puppies, or music? What's going on to the next round? Oh, you're killing me. 
Oh, no. <laughs> it is so much harder when it gets top to the top of the mountain, isn't it? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, it's, it's got to – well, it's, it's very simple. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's got to be puppies because if I didn't pick puppies in this case, and I'm sure she's in earshot right now, my wife would have all of my clothing and everything I own out on the front porch. So it's got to be puppies. <laughs> so this is the day the music died, Suits. The day the music died, besides the other day, uh, is this day right here. Yeah, even 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 uh, Rob Vanstone picked puppies, and he had a tough choice too. So uh, oh my, right now pup, right now puppies in the lead. Hey, uh, Glenn and Glenn's uh, segment brought to you by our friends at Quality Tire with ten locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Shaq Cooper now a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's a nice little addition for the riders in their backfield it is yeah i you know i I've, I've always wondered like watching him play in edmonton and thinking man if he if he was a regular and and you know he was getting 15 to 25 carries uh, a night and you think about the carries being the extended runs like quick screens or mm-hmm. or little swing passes things like that when you you, you see him do that for 15 to 20 carries i i think he could be a thousand yard guy i just i love his burst i love his change of direction uh he seems to always be able to find a new gear accelerate at the hole and accelerate past an angle by a tackler so i yeah i i like a lot about him i I don't know that he's got a full opportunity yet he probably doesn't get that in saskatchewan right now Mm mm-hmm but as a change of pace, I think he was, he's a great pickup, yeah. They got a couple of change of pace guys. Jack Cooper and, of course, Jamal Morrow, who uh, we both like. Uh, Keenan LaFrance is back there. Uh, maybe one more bigger back is something they need, you know, kind of to move the pile. But, I mean, do you think gone are the days of the bell cow back, or do you think we still are, you know, you got Stanbeck, I guess. You got Kadeem Carey, uh, Andrew Harris in Toronto, although I'll be interested to see uh, if Father Time catches up with him. Yeah, I don't think there's there's gone are the days for really any trend. I, I honestly do, don't. I think they go in cycles. I think sometimes yeah. you'll see more spread offenses. I mean, when Doug Flutie came in the league and he went empty backfield, he he put three receivers to one side, sometimes four, two to the backside. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he barely ever had backs in the backfield and and ran his offense without with five man protection and no way to pick up a blitz. We used to call it shark blitz, where we would send one more than their 5-0 lineman because there was no one back there to read it. And he could still backpedal and get the ball out in time with all his receivers with the wide open wide field. So, you know, I think these things go in cycles. I, you know, I don't even, – even when you think about double tight end formations, mm-hmm. if you have the right athletes, you could run double tight formations – a lot like they do more down south than up here, but you could, if you have the right athlete there and that guy can waggle out from the tight end spot and then run a corner route or a post route down the seam and get on top of the defensive backfield as quickly as possible, then now you may make the defense substitute, bring in bigger linebackers type of thing, or maybe an extra D lineman, and now you waggle out from those tight end spots and you, you got receivers in the open field. I, there's a lot of things you could do, especially with our wide field and 
you know that you, knowing that you're going to put the ball in the air. Yeah, you know what, and that does uh, that's one of the great features of our league that makes it so great. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, let's get to some more uh, storylines we never touched on yesterday when you were on the show. How about we talked about Masoli Magic in Ottawa? How about Dane's development in Hamilton? I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I think you know Dane has get is getting he's he's a little different in in really his dynamic because he is getting that first opportunity with the keys, and I I think that's crucial to so many quarterbacks either success or sometimes they they implode and and they don't see or, or realize that success because they go the opposite direction, but. It, they need to have that that moment where it's a season, a training camp, a preseason, where they know they're the guy. And, and not even a two-quarterback system, but they know they're the guy because he was always behind Masoli, showed that he could be the starter, and then it was a tough decision for Coach Steinauer. But this will be the first year where it's, hey, this is your team. Now you can take it, and we can go win with it, it's up to you. He's going to be empowered by the coaching staff. You know that because that's how Steinauer is. And I, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see different dynamic than Masoli. As far as Masoli has had the keys, right? And and he's done pretty well with it. And I think there's still a big upside. But this is the first chance for uh, Dane Evans. Interesting receiver moves. Ellingson goes to Winnipeg. Lawler goes to Edmonton for a big chunk of change, at least on paper. Uh, I know you talked about that on the show uh, back in the day. So, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, Lawler's going to a team with no proven quarterback. Ellingson's going to a team with a proven quarterback. Initially, you'd think Ellingson has the inside track to have a better season. Yeah, and I I think, you know, Zach's going to love Ellingson. You know, Ellingson is is a – he's deceptive with his speed. He's he's faster than most people. I think most DBs give him credit for, and then they get caught, and they get – you know, he gets in behind them. And he can route run like the best of them. So, you know, I think you're going to see a real nice connection there, automatic connection that doesn't take long. It's an interesting – uh, scenario for Lawler. Uh, you know, I, I think when you have the expectation and, and people will be talking about that, you know, the quarterback issue, as you mentioned, is, is certainly something in Edmonton. We're, we're not sure who's going to be that guy. So that'll be interesting. But, you know, for him to have, I'm almost going to call it a, the burden of a big contract. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, great for his family, and we want everybody to make as much money as they possibly can, but it also puts extra pressure and how you handle that extra pressure is going to make or break you. So I I think that's what will be interesting to watch with Kenny Lawler is, is how does he handle when everybody in the first three weeks of the season says, okay, okay, big money, you know, he's going to get that when he walks in the locker room, right? You know, there's, there's going to be veteran guys that have fun with that and go, okay, okay, big bank. I see you now. Now you got to catch everything. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, Ellingson reminds me a little of, we have Getzlaff on the top of our mind because Ryan retiring at the end of the year. His brother, Chris, was a guy that was deceptively fast and ran good patterns because he ran them like Gumby. You never knew which way he was going to go. Ellingson maybe doesn't run him quite like Getzlaff does, but they kind of share some of the same characteristics. They're sneaky good. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and athletically, you know, 
obviously the gene pool was good for those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, you know, I I think of the the things you can't really measure. The 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 leadership. I think both have shown throughout their careers great leadership skills, different than some, different style. I mean, than some, but great leadership skills from both. And Chris's and and Ryan's compete level. Mm-hmm. Quiet compete level is as good as it gets, uh, and you know, I not everybody in pro sports has it. They they're they're skilled and they're talented, so they rely on that, and they're good good players, sometimes great players. But then there's guys where you know they're never going to jog a route, or he's never going to not back check if it's Ryan. You know, it's these guys are. They're fighting at both ends of the rink, and they're fighting on and off the field, and that's that's where I mean fighting in in competing, mm-hmm. and that's and that's something that I think that the Getzlaffs don't get credit for that and their leadership abilities. I mean, Ryan was a captain for a long time. Yeah, he was, and and Getzlaff uh, obviously outstanding Canadian in the 2013 Grey Cup. I did ask. Uh, Ryan has been asked before who has better hands, him or his brother Chris, and he said uh, Chris has better hands than he does. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> one guy catches passes, the other guy makes beautiful passes. Hey, Speedy B and Harris in Toronto, can they turn the clock back? That's another uh, storyline I'm going to watch. I'm always interested to watch a guy who has either been traded or feels like, and this isn't always the case, but feels like, He's been let go by his club, and his club has sort of uh, not given up on him, but said, we're moving on from, from you. And, you know, whether that's true or not of Hamilton, uh, that's how uh, Speedy B feels. You, you can guarantee guys that aren't re-signed feel like, okay, you didn't want me anymore? Mm-hmm. Now, let, now, now come watch me. I always look forward to watching them in that first year because – Human beings are an interesting, you know, we're, we're, we're interesting in a lot of ways that when you give us that extra little push, that extra little motivation, you can't manufacture it, but it'll happen sometimes in life. Like when a 16-2 and two team tells you that <laughs> you should just pack your bags because you have no chance, we've already booked our flights. Yeah. That little poke puts you at another level. And it did that day, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if it does for Speedy B and Andrew Harris in Toronto. Okay, Glenn, that was just a little mini one with you today. We'll hook up for a longer one on Thursday because we got to get to Brandon soon for the Pats and the Wheat Kings. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you Thursday, buddy. Thursday I'll be in Saskatchewan up in Macklin, oh. so we'll do it. We'll do it on the phone from there. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. All right, Glenn. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And a safe trip to Macklin as he's going to be there for the back-to-back nights. Macklin and plenty. I can't be there this year because I'm at the Red Sox dinner. Usually I'd be there hanging with you suits, but have a great trip. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Take care, Ballsy. All right, that is Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. When we come back, we'll wrap the show up with Football Canada's Shannon Donovan talking female football and a great weekend coming to Ottawa. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And this is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And we're speaking with the Executive Director of Football Canada, Shannon Donovan. How are you today, Shannon? 
I'm very well, and you? I'm doing great. Uh, I understand we got a celebration of women's football coming to Canada in May. Can you expand on that for us? <laughs> that we do. Uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. So we have, uh, starting off on May 5th, the women uh, coming out to try out for Team Canada, or women's tackle team for the 2022 World Championship are going to arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start... So they'll start with some meetings that night and then they have two days of on-field camp. And then from there, we'll identify the top 70 that will play in a red-white game um, on the Sunday. Um, And we also are going to be featuring our inaugural um, collegiate flag football championship with uh, 10 women's teams from across the country that will compete for the national title. Um, And we'll be doing some other things with the local community around the Ottawa area, um, as well as Team Ontario women's under 18 will have their ID camp at the same time. So. Wow, wow, busy time. Busy time at Carleton yeah. University. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm intrigued by this uh, flag football, collegiate flag football uh, competition. It, Regina's got some flavor <laughs> in that too. That's uh, that's that's really neat. Flag football is a great um, great conduit for the game of football. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, very inclusive as far as uh, reaching some groups that uh, might not be able to uh, field a tackle team. Uh, it has, we are, we've seen significant growth on the women's side as well as just the overall growth of flag football in the country um, because it is it's just low cost. It's easy to find a field and get together and play. So it's, it's reached some groups that just thought that they wouldn't be able to play football um, so it's, it really is um, a great way to start the game and see that if you have a passion for it and then from there you can stick with it until wherever it brings you to a world championship and hopefully someday the Olympics or you can uh, move to our tackle stream, which obviously there are a lot of opportunities there between um, the various senior leagues in the country and CFL and U sports and international play with team Canada. So yeah, there's, it does provide an opportunity to the sport that wasn't there before. I've already, I've always said this, you know, uh, you can grow this game in a number of ways, but especially uh, indigenous people, first Canadians, new Canadians and women. And uh, you know, it Mm -hmm. seems like the game of football for females has never been stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. And you got to touch on a, one of our program grants that we had this past year with uh, our first down program, which was focused on the Indigenous communities, girls and women, as well as uh, new Canadians in the country. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely helped uh, the women's game, both on the tackle and flag side. And um, we've seen success internationally and we've seen our national championships grow and we've seen, yeah, different communities uh, participate in football that might not ever have either as like you said new canadians or women or in the indigenous communities you know shannon you touched on it there the the flag football angle the olympics that's a nice little carrot to dangle in front of both men and women <laughs> like you know what i mean the, especially the females you get a chance to go maybe eventually develop your skills and you could play at an olympic level that's uh, sure and that's ultimately the international federation's goal that they're working on uh, quite quite hard at right now as far as getting that recognition so that we can 
um, either be a demonstration sport or a participant sport at the 2028 Olympics in LA and or in Cal- yeah in LA. Yeah. Um, so that is that is the ultimate goal of the International Federation, and obviously all the nations want to want to be able to bring that to their participants, the opportunity to be at the Olympics, which is something that is. It's been a, a challenge with football because um, tackle football, just the, the, the number of players and the length of our tournaments that make it a little bit more challenging, whereas flag is, is easy. It's an easy tournament event. That's uh, Shannon Donovan, the executive director of Football Canada, talking about a great uh, female football exhibition coming to Carleton University in Ottawa which will include a national flag football championship at the university level involving females. That is super and uh, we'll continue to watch that as it gets closer to the time. That'll do it for our time here but next we're headed to Brandon down the highway. Pats and the Brandon Wheat Kings. The pregame show with Dante DeCaria as the Pats are six out of a playoff spot with six to go. Uh, They are definitely out of runway so hopefully they can get in, uh, get on a bit of a run here. This has been the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.